So last, this is our last week um, on 2020 Vision, and uh, it's been just a wondrous time, wonderful time uh, of just kind of trying to lay some groundwork for the year for all of us. And as Claire said, today I want to talk about future. I want to talk about for a little bit about vision for our lives individually and corporately and uh, try to pay attention to that as we go into this year really fully now. Um, if you missed any weeks of the series, I would encourage you to check it out. Uh, the last three weeks we spent just talking about forgiveness, which uh, can be helpful to all of us, I think, in so many ways and something, a resource that we can all tap into in the future. Um, but today, I want to, why don't we stand and read this scripture out of Psalm 90. Um, some of us uh, have understood that all of the Psalms were written by David, but that's not true. Uh, this Psalm in particular is a Psalm that Moses wrote, um, and it's a beautiful, beautiful Psalm that um, I think a lot of you might be familiar with, but let's read it together. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Let's read that last verse one more time. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And God, that's what we open ourselves to uh, in this time we have together, that you would teach us, help us to number our days, to know the importance of this day and the days that you will give us in the future, that we may gain a heart of wisdom and a life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. So the truth about us is we are eternal beings, and we are having a moment-by-moment experience. So even though we're eternal beings, that you and I will last forever, essentially, that's the promise of Scripture, we also need to live in the moment, that this moment is just as important as any other moment. So we, we're eternal beings, but we live momently. And all moments are absolutely vital. Teach us to number our days. In other words, help us, Lord, to live as though this is our first day and this is our last day. Teach us, Lord to steward over every moment you give us and take none of it for granted, that it all matters, it all belongs. I kind of had an interesting uh, situation that happened recently. Uh, I was was going to a store, going to the store, and um, uh, the store I was going to was near one of those cash stores, and it was... uh, So I I pulled up, and I'm not a fan of their cash stores, um, because they just, they're just, they do a lot of things that are really not good. And I'm not saying you're not good if you've had to utilize a cash store, but I just, the bondage and the interest rates and all of that. Anyway, there's a lot I could say about that, but 
there's a sadness I have around those kinds of things and how people get taken advantage. Uh, but anyway, so it was interesting to me because I pulled up and I noticed uh, next to me a, a really high-end Lexus, like maybe two years old. And I thought, wow, it's a nice car. I went in, did my stuff, came back out, and I got in our car and... Um, this young woman came out, and um, I recognized her. I, I don't know her. She came out of the cash store. I don't know who she is by name, but I recognize her from when you're as old as me. You, you've seen everybody. Anyway, so um, I, as she was walking out, I couldn't help but notice she was counting cash. So she obviously had been in the cash store to get cash. And she came out, and lo and behold, she sat down in the Lexus. She got in the Lexus. And I thought, wow, um, that's not happy. And she looked fine. She wasn't traumatized or anything. So anyway, I had to go to the bank. So that was my next stop. And um, I pulled to the drive-thru of the bank that Claire and I utilized. And sure enough, she pulled next to me. And um, I don't think she noticed me, um, but she had that money in her hand and what I made an assumption, I could be wrong, but I made the assumption because she put the money in the tube and off at one, I thought she went to the cash store to borrow cash for a Lexus so that she could go to the bank and make a payment on it. And thus is life for many people. I don't think she's different than a lot of people. I'm not saying a lot of people necessarily go to the cash store, but it's we get up, we make some coffee or tea. If we have children, we get them ready. We get ourselves ready for work. We jump in our car. We go to work. We work. We work. We get done with work. We, you know, get back in our car, drive back home. Maybe perhaps we pick up the kids. We do all the different errands. We, we spend our evening, however we spend our evening, we go to bed, we get back up the next morning, getting ready to go back to work, to invest so that whether it's a car, a house, whether it's to buy some clothes, whether it's just to make ends meet, whatever it is, it becomes like this treadmill. And if we're not careful, especially in our culture, this becomes the picture. Moses says, help us to live a more purposeful life than that. There's nothing wrong if you have a Lexus. But there is something definitely wrong for any of us to live a treadmill life when the creator of our life has so much in store for us. That God did not intend any of us just to live to survive. God has a greater purpose for you and for me. There's three pictures I want to talk to you about uh, when it comes to this issue of living into future, living vision, living in a way that God wants you to. First of all, I want you to know that vision is our compass. It's not our roadmap. Some of us think that vision gives us the details of life, but it doesn't. Our vision for life, the vision God gives us, is more like a compass, not a roadmap. It shows us a destination. And if I could, I would like to say my recommendation for all of us is that the destination be Jesus. 
And if the destination is Jesus, if your vision is Jesus, the compass is set toward Jesus, you get off the treadmill pretty quick. Things begin to shift. And if you can remind yourself that I'm not going to set my destination as things like cars or education or houses or relationships, all of those things are added unto me, but my destination is in Christ, intimacy with Jesus. So vision is our compass, not our roadmap. It shows us a destination, a fixed point in which a person or a people, like a local church, focuses their efforts and resources. So the destination, the fixed point. So let's just say if it's Jesus becomes the fixed point of our life, corporately and individually, that's where we begin to focus our effort and resources. Those things follow what we're after. Vision is our compass, not our roadmap. So the three pictures. Uh, Quickly, if you can remember these three pictures. The first one is a chair. The second one's a child. And the third one is a door. Now, the chair that you are sitting in, I want you to understand that the chair that you're sitting in, I want you to think about um, is kind of home. Most of us spend a lot of our day in a chair, one way or another. It might be in your car, it might be at your desk, uh, maybe at home, uh, you know. I want you to be reminded when you're in the chair you're in today and when you're in the chair at times in the future, be reminded of the wealth of what you bring to that chair. Where you sit and where I sit, know that you are a wealth of investment. You have had mentors along the way, teachers. You have had life circumstances. You have had parents and possibly siblings. You have had uh, coaches and instructors. And as you sit in your seat on this day, and as I sit in my seat on this day, I bring to you a composite of all of the interactions I've had in the past 57 years and beyond. And thus it is with you. You sit in the seat you are. Now, you might say, well, I've had some really bad interactions. I would say that that's part of who you are. We've all had some bad interactions. Some of us have had tragic interactions. And I am so sorry those have happened to any of us. What I'm saying is all of that we bring with us. I'm reminded of a story uh, that my mom told me recently. Well, it was just a truth. Uh, I made kind of a reference to being raised. Hi, Mom. Yeah. Anyway, can we hear from my mom? She is just awesome. Love you. Yeah, that's... That's a disclaimer. This one's actually not going to get me into any trouble, I don't think, Uh, at least not with her. Anyway, um, I told a story about growing up and how she was kind of, uh, she was very clear on what she wanted from us, and uh, we really appreciated that. And anyway, she was telling me, well, as you told that story, she said, somebody later asked me, what is it, you know, what what is it like? Do you miss your husband? Somehow it came up, do you miss your husband? Because uh, my, my dad has, uh, went to heaven several years ago and she says, well, yes, but I see him all the time. I see him all the time in my children. He shows up. People are showing up in your life. You do know that. So to have a gratitude, the scripture puts it this way. It says in Hebrews 12, 
1 and 2, it says, Therefore, we're sur- since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Remember, Jesus is the destination. Can we say that? Jesus is the destination. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He sat down. You and I are a compilation. I know that one of the compilations that shows up in my life when I speak or when I work is a work ethic that was imparted to me from a mother and a father who showed great work ethic, grandparents who showed great work ethic. Those things show up in our life. We bring our people and our situations with us. As we remember thinking about where we are seated at this moment on this day, remember All of the interaction that you bring is at this point to bring good out of your life. Even if it was bad interaction, that God's intent is to utilize that for your future in a powerful way. You have been resilient. You have have, uh, lived your life in a way that has brought you to this moment. You are creative. You are disciplined. You are strengthened, you are encouraged because of interactions that you and I have had in the past. Our, the question when it comes to our chair is, are we simply, are we making room in our chair and is our chair substantial enough to hold the story that we live in? Or have we tried to discard some of our story Simply because we want that to be done and gone in our life, it's part of your story. I would say this, I love this, uh, Chris Hewitt, we were in a conversation with Chris, he's an author, and uh, he was with uh, Mother Teresa in Calcutta for years, he's just an amazing person. Um, Anyway, he made this statement, and I didn't write it down properly, but he made this statement the other day, he said, we need to allow ourselves to be the guest of suffering. And he said, I have found that there's times when I have tried to not be the guest of suffering. In other words, like those of you, for instance, that have been on mission trips or you've been in those situations that have been really tough, you know as well as I do that when you went on a mission trip, for instance, that you kind of go there, especially the first time you go, you're kind of going there thinking, I am here to help you. I am here to make your life better. But if you're honest about it, you realize that the suffering changes you. When you are exposed to suffering, it can make you a better person. It can, it can cause you to be more resilient. It can cause your heart to expand. It can cause you to be more compassionate and more loving. It can cause you to have your opinions that are so cemented in bad thinking and theology to be transformed and changed. It changes us. Just as much, see, because what we do, and I do it, and you do it, and as a culture we do it, is we simply try to to immerse ourselves in uh, being led by the prosperous. 
It is just as important to be exposed to the suffering of your life as it is to be exposed to the goodness of your life. It is just as important to embrace the failure that you've experienced and the difficulty in relationships as much as it is to experience the goodness. Now, as Paul would say, I would never invite that stuff intentionally, but there is such goodness in it. The second, the second picture is the picture of a child. If a chair represents my past and everything that I bring to this moment and you bring to this moment, as you sit in that chair, it's your past experience sits in that chair. A child represents the present in your life and mine. Jesus put it this way. Jesus said, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and, Jesus, and asked Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a little child to him, and he said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Children represent our present. It it can't be more clearly shown than just our baptism service today. We are in the presence. They represent simplicity of trust, simplicity of prayer and faith. See, what happens to us if we're not careful is the complexities of our lives and kind of the baggage that gets added to our lives keeps us from the best life that God has for us. So if we want to live into the future well, if we want to be people of vision, we need to move into this directive clearly that Jesus invites us to, to become like little children. One of the things I love doing occasionally uh, around here because we pray, as, as you, most of you guys know, if not all you guys know, our staff prays during the week at different times. And one of the things we pray for are all of the requests. Anybody that goes up to the candle wall and, and has a prayer, we, we pray. Of course, we don't know what you're praying exactly, but we hold those things before God with you. We agree with you around those things. We uh, pray what's on the prayer board. We hold those before God. And agree with you uh, that, that God would move. And those of you that do not get out of your seat and feel comfortable praying in your seat at that time of the service or any time of the service, know this, that we're praying with you around those things. And we pray for a lot of other things, but those are some of the things. And one of the, one of the pieces that I love doing occasionally, and I would encourage you to try this every once in a while, is walk past that prayer board after a service and you, the, the kids' prayers jump out. They just, they're just obvious. They're so simple. And they're so trusting. And it's just like, Jesus, you can do this. And they just, it's, it's usually not a lot of words. It's, it's just beautiful. And I'm so inspired by it. And I'm so challenged in a good way. I have not found a child's 10-year plan on the prayer board yet. They just live in the present. It's like, you know, it doesn't mean that they don't get excited about something that might be happening in the future, but they are so in the present, aren't they? They live in the moment. They live momently. They are eternal beings living moment by moment. This moment is just as important as the next moment and tomorrow's moment. And they are not weighed down with so many attachments. 
I love T.D. Jakes. He says this. He says, you know, most adults, this is certainly paraphrased. He says, most adults, he said, you could eliminate half of their prayer list just by giving them money. He said, they don't need a miracle. They just need money. Just give them money and their prayer list goes down in half. Kids don't, you ever give a little kid money? Like, here's a dollar. They don't care. They like, big deal. I, before we left the house, uh, there were like several dollars on the counter. And uh, we've got uh, our, our, our three-year-old and seven-year-old granddaughter with us this morning and spent the night. Anyway, it's dollars that we've given them like a month ago. And I'm thinking, I would never leave money out like that. As a matter of fact, I wanted to borrow some money so I didn't have to go to the cash store from my granddaughters. They don't care. They don't even know what it's for. But they watch enough adult interaction, and it's like, oh, I guess I should have money too. We have a friend of ours that uh, has been going through a really hard time in uh, ministry lives in a different part of the country. He's gone through some heartbreaking betrayal, difficult things. And anyway, he texts us uh, a few weeks back, and he's in the middle of huge transition. And um, it's just like the rug has been pulled out of ministry life for him, which has really been his adult life. And um, he said... I, I got this deep inspiration. Have you seen Frozen 2? And um, he said, I, 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 this line, do the next right thing, is just, because he's been really betrayed and it's hard to do the right thing in the situation that he's in. And you've been there before too. And we kind of laughed and said, you know, Maybe we should watch more kids' movies because it just seems so simple. Just do the next right thing. Just live in this presence. Just do the one thing that you can do with the strength you have, which leads to the future, which is a door. Now, it's interesting. The scripture is full of pictures and stories and illustrations about doors, And I want you to know when it comes to the doors in your life, few things represent your future more than the doors of your life. I want you to know that God has this. God has your future in God's hands. You can trust God with your future. You can set your compass on Jesus and then trust God. That does not mean your life will go wonderfully well every day, but you can fully trust the ride, the journey, the adventure. God gave me the word hybrid um, late last year, moving into this year. And Claire and I really aren't those kinds of people. We, you know, we're people of prayer and certainly trying to connect with vision all the time, uh, obviously, but... We're not like, we're not, we've never been real big on here's the word for the year. Uh, and that, again, is not because we don't celebrate that with other people. It's just never resonated with us. Um, but anyway, hybrid, hybrid. And it started to really resonate, this word. Um, like, 
and I realized that uh, Claire and I personally, our lives kind of are hybrid lives. We, we describe them as the way that we are living our life right now. Um, the word hybrid in our church is, we believe, is, is a hybrid church. And all that I mean by that is it's just not, uh, it's not just kind of the standard issue church. And we were never invited to that. And um, so hybrid simply means something produced from two different elements. So I was thinking about this issue of the future and being a, a hybrid church and being a hybrid people. Um, and God started to show me this issue of doors and specifically about open and closed doors, a couple of different elements, because they're definitely not the same. Um, now, first of all, understand that closed doors in your life and mine are just as important as open doors. I want you to think about your life, and I want you to think about the times that God Uh, or maybe you don't recognize it as God, just times in your life when things were closed off to you. And you almost couldn't explain it at times, but it was closed off to you. And I want you to think about what has happened in the meantime. Maybe you haven't thought about that before. Then I want you to think about some open doors that have happened in your life. Those, Those wide open spaces where you just seemed invited into the goodness of God in a beautiful way. Jesus says, the scripture says this in Revelation chapter 3. It says, to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, the church of love, right? Brotherly love. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. So we're talking about Jesus. And he opens what no one can shut, and he shuts what no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door. Everyone say open door. That no one can shut. And I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word, and you have not denied my name. Now, since I gave my life to Christ, and certainly as a church, one of our recurring prayers in one fashion or another has been this prayer specifically, and many of you have prayed this prayer too, and you didn't maybe even realize that it came right out of this scripture. Lord, open doors that no person can shut and close doors that no one can open, including me. Because we know Jesus can open the impossible doors in your life. As you face the future, as this church faces the future, Jesus is able and has opened impossible doors, and Jesus will open impossible doors again for you and I. Jesus is able to open up and go places and bring us places that we couldn't go without Jesus opening up to us. Some of us know that so clearly in our own lives. Where we are living and what we are doing today has everything to do with a clear open door that Jesus arranged on Jesus' timetable. Jesus also enables us to do things and accomplish things that we cannot do. So know that the open doors and the closed doors enable you and I to do things 
that we would be unable to do in and of ourselves. When you pray for the supernatural to interact with your natural life, what you're asking for is God to open and close doors to move you into that space. Understand also that your life is a series of doors. It is not one door that you open and shut and it's over. And also, when you move into open spaces, many times the door, other doors close behind you, and it's intentional that you would never go back to that space again. It was for that season that you enjoyed that. Also, Jesus, by opening and closing doors before you and you responding well to that, enables you to meet people. How many here have met people you, you don't even know, you never imagined you would have met them? And I'm not just talking about famous people. I'm talking about people like how in the world, you know, sometimes I sit at the dinner table and I look around and like, how in the world did I meet these people? This is my family and I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> right? So how does this flesh out? Let me, let, me, let me take you on a short journey of a familiar story. And this is, this is just a few components. And this is how it works in your life. So the year was about 1989. Claire and I were in Detroit, Michigan area, uh, kind of as lay pastors on a church staff there and uh, bivocational, basically. And we were running life groups, really involved, doing the work of the ministry. And we had a heart to start to plant a church at some point. That was one of the things. So... Um, where we lived, uh, we had made a decision through some prayer and some thought. We thought, we're going we're gonna to try to plant a life group out of our church that we were in down in Monroe, Michigan. So Monroe's like, it was about an hour from south of where we were. So we're going to stay in our church, plant this life group, meet in a living room, just start to meet some people in Monroe, grow the thing. And at a certain point, the plan was that we were going to turn that into a church. That was all the elders on the, in the church were praying about it. We were all kind of on the same page. So this is all starting to happen. It got to the point where Claire and I were going to relocate. And um, I got this like what seemed like a confirmation. We started looking at houses. We went into this one house and it was a great deal. It had a tennis court in the backyard. It had a jacuzzi in the master suite. I thought, obviously, this is God. Anyway, we were planning on, on you know, had a great, great room for a, a life group. And we literally were planning on going. And then God closed the door. We were in a meeting with some leaders and mentors of ours. And one of the guys had a prophetic word. And he said, if you go there, this will be the demise of your family. Now, you don't need to tell me that twice. I'm not going to say, well, you got to prove that to me. It's like, good enough. I trusted the guy. I wouldn't just let anybody walk up to me and say anything. Well, they could, but I wouldn't listen to him. Anyway, um, so we didn't go. So fast forward, we end up in a living room in Marshall, Michigan, about 18 months later. And the first day we're there... The first evening we're together, those of us that are still here, which is most people uh, that are still in the church, Charles and Jill, 
Sean and Kathleen, Claire and I. I think there were nine people that first night. And then Connie, Matt, Matt's mom, Connie, was in that room. And it was as if heaven opened up. And it was as if immediately a door from heaven. Now, we weren't here to plant a church. We were here to support a Bible study to make sure that Charles and Jill and Sean and Kathleen didn't get too flaky. <laughs> that's, I, that's how I heard that call. Can you come and make sure we don't get too flaky? Heaven opened, the doors opened, and within months, we're here. Now, back to Monroe and that thing about our family. Part of the planting group that was going to go to Monroe, we didn't know this at the time, obviously. There was a couple that was going to go with us to Monroe, and that guy, the husband, was the person that had molested our daughter. And it would have been the demise of our family. God will lead you. God will protect you. God will keep you. He'll use open doors and closed doors along the way. The story of Crossroads is a story of paying attention to open and closed doors. I believe with all of my heart that this is a year of open doors, not only for Crossroads Church, but for you and I. I believe that God is about to open up opportunities to us that we have seen and thought to be impossible. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 16, 7 through 9. He says, I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit, speaking to the Corinthians. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. Because a great door of effective work has opened to me. And there are many who oppose me. God will use doors to open and close in our lives in this next year to do miracles in our lives. You and I together are changing the world in a profound and powerful way. Claire said it earlier, the most important thing we can do is help open doors for our friends and people around us to experience the life-changing transformational power of Jesus. We do that by inviting them to open door experiences. This is a hybrid church. In the last week, I have spoken to two deputy chiefs for different reasons. One was earlier in the week, a deputy chief came up to me uh, and said to me, our, our uh, police force is being used as an example at a state level. It's actually Marshall. It was Scott McDonald. He said, our police force being used as an example of safe level for security for children. And he said, I need, and he's been in contact with Sean, he said, I need um, some stuff from you guys because our PowerPoint, he says, I'm going to be doing a, 
I'm going to be doing a training of several hundred law enforcement leaders around the state, and part of our presentation is to talk about our law enforcement's connection with Crossroads Church and Ministries. I need pictures. It's going to be a part of the PowerPoint, and I want you to know that your relationship with us makes a huge difference in a lot of lives. I don't, in case you guys didn't know, in case you guys didn't know, one of the things that we are the evacuation center, um, if there were ever any kind of trauma that went on at the school and they needed to evacuate the kids at the high school um, and at Walters. I, I, was with, uh, I was with our daughter yesterday and our two grandsons had been at a sporting event, a mountain Kalamazoo out by the university, and up comes another deputy chief from another pretty large police department in the region whom I know, and I didn't see him. We were Buffalo Wild Wings. I didn't see him. He obviously saw me. He came up and he tapped me on the shoulder. He said, I just had to come over and say hi. He says, I just love the way we're working together to end human trafficking in this region because we do work together as a church. That is, that is open doors. God has opened doors for us to have coaching opportunities. I love seeing on Facebook, Sean and the other folks helping, the, the adults helping out with this breakfast club for the kids working out. You guys that are coaching, you, you gals that are coaching, I love your influence. These are open door opportunities for us to share the love of God with people all over, young people and older people along, around the region. Our relationship with the Transforming Center in Wheaton is totally out of an open door experience that just continues to this day. Our relationship with the Child Advocacy Center and Sexual Assault Services is about doors being opened. I've got your backs being uh, birthed out of uh, Sean and Kathleen. Uh, their, their life and Isaac's life is beautiful. It's just an open door experience out of a situation that was so hard, but it's part of the story and they're living into it. You and I are living miracles all the time. Upward basketball. These are books. These are some of the books, not all of the books. These, these are some of the books that have been written by people in Crossroads Church. Now, yeah, a few of those. These are not all books that Claire and I... You are producing things that are touching the world. You do understand that. It is, it's what God's doing. You continue to step through doors. I love the fact that Bruce and Tammy are going around the world with Pioneer Bible translators. And I love what the, the transforming retreats have been doing in the lives of those who have been engaging in that and how that's making a difference. I love uh, talking. This was interesting. You guys should know this. So... Don't you love our food pantry? I love what goes on there. I love Art and Leanne, and I love the fact that it's something, you know, that was just something that was given to us. Somebody was running that out of their closet at home years ago, and they brought this to us and said, can you do something with it? We said, well, we might have a few ideas. It was literally being run for a few people out of a closet in somebody's house. God bless them for that beautiful work. So sometimes open doors means God wants you to bring increase to what you've been given. But anyway, 
I found this interesting. This is why it's important why we do what we do. So we're right across from the law enforcement center, right? So you'd never think that anybody would try to steal anything out of here. So the food pantry truck was sitting in the parking lot, and somebody tried to take... They were, they, they didn't, it didn't work out for them, but they did get into the gas tank, drain the gas tank, and they tried to take the catalytic converter. Do you imagine? Is that like ironic? Like this is a food pantry truck. It's like, just come inside. We'll give you what you want. I mean, don't, don't make us have to fix the truck, but people need help. So here's the question as we go into the week. I want you, I, I invite you to take an open and closed-door biography of your life this week. To look at it through the, through the framework of what has God done in my life? Where has he protected me with closed doors? Where has he blessed me with open doors? And then sit with that. And begin to live into your future and begin to pay attention to the doors that God places before you. There's no more important door in the scripture than the door that Jesus refers to in the scripture in Revelation 3 a little bit later. And it is the door of your heart and the door of my heart. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. I just desire that you'd open that door up. That's what Jesus is saying. Let me come into your heart and let me help you live into your future. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I would ask you to just pray with me this simple prayer. You can do it right in your seat. You can do it quietly or out loud, whichever you prefer. But Lord, I come before you with my heart the door of my heart and I open it to you I open my heart to your forgiveness for my sins I open my heart to your love open my heart to your grace and I open my heart to your plan which is so much better than my plan. I receive you into my life. In Jesus' name. If you did that today, you, be, you have begun a new experience in your life. I encourage you to go to the Next Steps kiosk if you'd like after service. If you've got any questions, they can give you resources. If you need some kind of resources or help, like Next Step, what could I do? We certainly, if you need a Bible, we could get you a Bible. And then for the rest of us, oh God, I pray. Thank you for the times you've protected us with closed doors. Thank you for the times that doors have been open wide and your glorious power has been manifest through those open spaces. Now, God. Even as Paul said, we with full force move into the future you have for us, oh God. Open our hearts.
open doors for us, God, that no one can close, including us. And, oh, God, close things that need to be close to us. And I bless my friends in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys.